we've gone from using every internal channel available to us. So we have, I've presented to management back in October, asking them not to do this, not to increase the rent <laughs> and to implement supports for students that are struggling. Um, and management just went ahead and pursued this, this plan. Welcome to the Chasing Passion podcast. My name is Dom and I'm your host. Each week, I bring on a passionate person to help you discover your own passion in life and how to begin pursuing it. Thanks for spending some time with me today and let the episode begin. Joanna, welcome to the show. Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me. So I have lots of things to chat about, but I guess the first thing I want to ask you is your background, who you are and what do you currently do? Okay, so I recently graduated from Law with Social Justice here in UCD. So I've been living in Ireland about 15 years. I went to primary and secondary school on the north side of Dublin uh, I've lived in Kulak for most of my life, then in town, and I recently moved to the south side. Uh, and I've been working in the Students' Union uh, since June, but I would have been involved in student activism for a couple of years before that. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. And what made you choose um, to study social or is this justice and law? Yeah, or law and social justice. Law and social justice. Yeah. Justice. So at the time, when I was in sixth year of secondary school, mm. I was education officer of the Irish second level students union. And I I was the only girl on the team of about nine and the only person from Dublin. So I was with a load of boys from around the country. Mm. Um, and it was a very kind of vibrant year. Um, there was, as I was saying to you before the interview, there was a reform of the junior cycle happening at the time. Um, the teacher unions in Ireland were very against it. There were a lot of strikes in schools and... It was just a really interesting time to be involved in stuff in like the Department of Education and, you know, being in the media and stuff like that, speaking on behalf of students. And something that I realised when I got involved in the union was that, it, so growing up on the north side of Dublin, look, I didn't ask a lot of questions, things were as they were. And like, that was like, who asks questions about where they come from? Mm, you know, yeah. you, you just go with it. Um, but I grew to understand that not everywhere in Dublin was like Kulak, you know it wasn't necessarily normal that a lot of people don't go on to higher education or that you have particular, you know, challenges in your community. I realized that other communities, you know, have, I don't know, nicer houses or more people in university or whatever. Um, I started to realize that society was quite, like, not equal. Like, there were, depending on where you were born, there were things that could have affected you or whatever. And I guess it was a fairly simplistic view and I... And I don't mean to say that that was necessarily true or not, but I just realized that depending on where you were from, um, I even noticed like the grades that people were getting in my school versus some of my friends' schools from around the country were mm. so different. And it started to bother me. And I became really interested in inequality in society and in the education system and the role that the education system had on perpetuating inequality. So then when I saw law and social justice in the prospectus for UCD, I was like, oh, this is the right one for me because... Mm. It seemed to, it sounded like a quote unquote serious course because like law, <laughs> but then it had the social justice element. It seemed like it would give me an opportunity to learn more about inequality, what causes it, how does it work? And I I had a fair idea that the legal system had a role to play in mm. all of this. So I wanted to learn more about that. And I have to say it really satisfied what I wanted to learn. <laughs> so I enjoyed it. Yeah. And what did you learn as a result of doing that course? Like what are the biggest things we can do to, you know, overcome inequality and stuff like that? I think we need to ask a lot of questions. Um and the law 
like there's there's nothing neither the law nor the business world there's nothing out there that is you know impartial and unbiased and clear no everything is political the law is very political um the market is very political uh what we describe as commodity or not there you know who holds power who doesn't how the Mm. law is structured um when you go into the details and you try to see it from the perspective of a marginalized group suddenly you realize oh if you want to research company law you will have every answer detailed you know in the in the you know you'll have the smallest detail explained in court judgments you will have a plethora of sources to read through to understand an issue in company law Mm. but when you have an issue in housing law all of a sudden there's very little cases very little clarity in the law the law is written down but no one really knows what it means because no one's challenging it no one is using the law to protect rights so you start to see there's there's some rights that are very protected and some rights that kind of exist out there but we don't really know how to empower them like there's these just you realize that the system was really created by a particular group of people to serve those people and then I don't think it's it's fair to say that it's evil across the board because mm. there are very good people within, you know, the Irish legal system and other spheres who try to activate it for good reasons and who try and apply the law and challenge it or find other mechanisms of helping people. So it's just once you start exploring that, it's there's so much out there to to learn about in terms of creating change. Sometimes you need a legal case. Sometimes you just need a government minister to sign something. Sometimes you just need to apply a policy in a way that will really help. So it really depends on the nature of the issue. Um, and out of all the studying of social inequality and housing issues and social welfare issues, etc., um, I would like to do a master's in international trade and investment law. <laughs> so I'm interested in how big business and governments negotiate and come to, come to terms with their deals and how that impacts on the environment human rights. And what I really like about that is it's kind of disconnected in a way from the communities that it really affects. So Mm. you can look at the law and you can look at concepts and you can find ways of creating opportunity for someone, you know, to fight for the rights or fight for equality using a treaty or using a document, creating trade documents that can be used to protect people. And I find that really interesting because it's, it's complex and has a lot of elements to it, but also if I decided to take the route of being a social welfare lawyer or a housing lawyer, you're directly connected to the people who are affected by the law. And to be honest, it's fucking heartbreaking. Mm. And I think because from, from studying some areas of law that really negatively affect people who need our help, um, I couldn't do it. I cried writing assignments. I was, oh, I was... Really? Honestly, wow. <laughs> yeah. <gasps> Childhood inequality, I'll never forget it. Like, it was so sad that's just how the world is and i i figured i'm really interested in how you know big players work things out and i'm interested in geopolitics i'm interested in the in the international sphere i find it fascinating and even when big big companies or whatever do really evil stuff i find i'm able to kind of read about it to try and understand what the legal problem was or what was the loophole that we need to tighten or fix or change without getting too overwhelmed or upset or too angry I, I i try i tend to stay quite clear when i look at doing business better or, or looking at trade agreements being done better um whereas if you put me in a room with a bunch of like homeless people i'll just cry <laughs> you know i i know that there is an answer or there are ways that we can help people we can design better housing policy we can design better social protection systems of course we can 
Um, but I just find, I don't know, thinking of, of, of how the system can, can hurt children or can hurt, you know, adults who are vulnerable, um, just really, really upsetting at this point in my life. So I'd rather be in some far off policy world <laughs> of documentation <laughs> mm. um, and then you know hand over tools that can be maybe used on a national level by mm. activists to protect a group mm. you mentioned that one of the assignments made you cry or maybe most of the assignments made you cry could you perhaps give us an example of such an assignment or like a story that really struck with you you don't have to but i'm just very curious um you know what what are the issues yeah that are happening um this is terrible to admit but i honestly did submit assignments late without i didn't even tell my my lecturers because i was embarrassed i was like i will take the grade penalty <laughs> mm. because i was you know sensitive maybe, maybe i should have let them know but uh yeah there was one particular assignment that stuck with me now i could kind of we had a broad theme and we could kind of select a more specific topic and i was writing about the impact of the balkan floods a number of years ago um on the roma community in bosnia i believe it was and what's gas is so through my involvement with the school students union in sixth year and fourth year college mm. i stayed involved as a trainer with the european school students union they're called obesu um so two three times a year i would travel to different cities in europe and deliver trainings with them and it was brilliant brilliant crack i was always traveling in college mm. <laughs> with them so i traveled for free because i was a trainer yeah um but i got to meet young people from like bosnia and herzegovina and from you know serbia and i believe it was the bosniak um activists that were telling me how um their organization got a bunch of funding from different ngos after the balkan floods because like regional libraries were destroyed or whatever school buildings were destroyed so they were organizing as students to you know lobby for new school facilities to be built like isn't that mad like that was like their thing and they would come to these european conferences and i don't know like we had very different issues from ireland but anyway from from hearing the stories of the school activists in bosnia rebuilding or looking for funding to rebuild schools i decided to take the issue of the bosnian floods and i specifically looked at the roma community and how they were affected and the children of that community and oh my god because now <laughs> Like, if you think of, like, the Roma community and all the stereotypes, you know, I think there's an awareness in Ireland that the Roma community don't have an easy time around Europe and and, and here neither. Like, there's a lot of racism and, and issues. But coming from Poland or, I don't know about Lithuania, but we would have an even worse sometimes stereotype and that the, the racism towards that community is just, I think, sharper and more hmm. aggressive. Um, And so the, the, the situation in Bosnia was that... Uh, so the people from the community were living in very poor quality housing, which was immediately swept away uh, by these floods. Other people of other ethnicities or people of a different nationality maybe had family living further away in the mountains or whatever that they could go and stay with while they were waiting for whatever to find an alternative accommodation. Whereas with the Roma community, the extended family all lived together in this really poor accommodation. So once that was swept away, there was no other family members to go to. And when you zoom in specifically at children and babies and there were activists and NGOs who were flying over to raise attention. So we, when you Google this, like you can see the yeah. reports and the photographs of babies and you can, there were like already reports about a particular family, how one of their babies got like pneumonia and you're, you're basically following the story of how this baby died because of the racism of the local authorities that wouldn't help them and the situation because they had the worst accommodation. So that was... They had nowhere to go. And then you just see photographs of these newborns literally dying. And you're like, 
everything that could have failed them failed them everything you know about that situation and they were they were children you know so that was a very difficult assignment I was like eight days late <laughs> because I was reading the reports as sources for my essay to try and describe how climate change was affecting children from this community and I couldn't and I was shaking looking at the figures oh it was really bad I recommend the module it's it's one of my favorite lectures in UCD teaches it it's a lovely lovely class but look just try not to write about the Roma community in Bosnia because it's really sad (laughs) pick some happier children or I don't know but then again you know what maybe we shouldn't shy away we need to know I feel like we should I feel like we should yeah 100% okay it's upsetting but it's not good enough to ignore it right Mm. yeah I'd rather explore the I don't know companies or governments who are you know investing in the local community to rebuild them I'd rather you know what I mean like I again I run away into my documentation (laughs) (laughs) right I see um yeah and you obviously you're well educated and you know in law and like what what should Ireland perhaps do like in your opinion like what are the biggest changes Ireland should focus on right now in today's modern world I guess (laughs) yeah I mean definitely housing it's what we're all talking about and Mm. that's what we were protesting about today um with the union yeah no the homelessness crisis in this country is again it's created and it can also be fixed you know that's the thing about law and and how could it be fixed build social housing (laughs) no that's an easy thing for me to say and and you know we we could write books about this yeah of course yeah but um (laughs) yeah we just need a government that stops treating housing as a commodity and starts treating it as a right. Um, land should not be so financialized as it is. We should stop selling land to international investors or pension funds or whatever, vulture funds. We need to start, you know, build public housing on public land and, you know, ensure that people have a roof over their heads, that people are taken care of because that's so important. I don't know if you, like, I've, I thankfully I've never been homeless, but I have been in situations where, you know, I've shared beds with friends because we were kind of stuck or I've hopped between couches because I didn't really want to do the commute up to Kulak from UCD. And it's grand on a short term basis. But if you're sharing a bed with someone for a longer period of time and mm. I've I've done that in college, my goodness, um, yeah. <laughs> it's um, like it really impacts your mental health. So I can't even imagine what it's like when you've nowhere to go to sleep um, or if you have to sleep on the floor or on a couch somewhere all the time, like it's really really detrimental so we need to treat it like the emergency issue that it is yeah and we need to do something about housing that would be the number one thing um and then after that i think I'd, just by the virtue of my role and, and my connections i i have i think a lot about issues that affect young people so mental health health care r- rural ireland you know we need to really think about the opportunities for young people in the country and try and you know keep young people in ireland make sure they're well taken care of that services are here to support us that there's jobs that we can take um yeah that we can afford to live here and live to a good standard Mm. and like from a student's perspective like what do you think most students are dealing with at the moment like what are the biggest challenges students are facing every single day and what can we do about it um like obviously we have different UC is made up, for example, you know, of a variety of different people. So some people, course, yeah. you know, maybe they live locally enough or within a, a handy commutable distance and, you know, they have their part-time job or not and they're getting on grant. Working in the Students' Union, I get to see a very skewed image of the UC population because obviously 
people come to the union when they need help. They don't necessarily come to the union, you know, when they're, because they're happy. When everything's fine, you know? Yeah, 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 so yeah. I see a lot of students who are in serious issues with money who literally can't afford to eat in college and we try to feed them as much as we can. I see homeless students, students that need to get on a housing list, students that are sleeping on couches. I've had students come in with sleeping bags. Like I've Over the last number of months, I've seen a lot of students really struggling um so i'd say that there's you know a variety of experiences on campus i think everyone struggles with affordability of food you know like there's there's not that many cheap food options on campus we we don't have nearly enough microwaves so even if you have the capacity to cook something at home it's not very likely you'll have somewhere every day to heat it do you know what i mean it'll it'll be hard or you'll have to queue for ages to be able to heat it up on campus so food food as is for students is a tough one um but then housing like but then then again a lot of people from around the country can't afford to even try to go to college here so while we have a lot of students that struggle with housing we have a lot more people who just didn't even consider coming here because housing was going to be an issue um so it's definitely that inequality of access is very real for students and their families um and then stuff like mental health we don't have enough counselors on our campus um we don't have enough kind of wraparound supports. I think we haven't really measured student isolation so much on this campus, but I do think it's real. Um, we have so many international students from every part of the world. And, you know, living in our on-campus residences and, you know, people might just be coming in and out of their bedroom and maybe not integrating so well. You know, some people gel immediately and I went off on Erasmus myself, you know, and if you find the right group of people, you click and you have a fantastic time if you're you know too busy with some studies or 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 you're a bit anxious or what for whatever reason if you find it a little bit difficult you're a bit homesick and you don't make that many friends in college my goodness this can be a very lonely place it's a huge campus so i don't i only have kind of anecdotal evidence of this but i i would be a bit concerned about mental health and isolation on campus I don't have confidence that we're doing everything we can. Like, obviously we have fantastic societies and sports clubs and the union runs events and we really try to provide people with opportunities to make friends and connect. We have a great orientation program, freshers program, you know, things are done. But on a campus of 30,000 people, my goodness, you will it's miss very some. difficult, yeah. You know, and are we doing absolutely everything to help them? Do we have enough resources and, and you know, um, places for people to turn and get help? We don't have enough pla- we don't have enough resources for help. So um I don't know, we'd have to really try and measure this problem to know how serious it is. But we have seen a fall in society engagement in the last couple of years and we're seeing much higher numbers of students accessing the library and the gym. And there are, you know, activities you do in isolation, you do them by yourself. Yeah. So this is kind of what's tipping me in the direction or it's it's making me believe that maybe isolation is an issue on our campus. Or, you know, if more students are, like, commuting, obviously they're not hanging around, so they have less of an opportunity to make friends on campus. I, If I had the time, I would investigate this further. But at the moment, I'm trying to get UCD to investigate it further. Yeah. Hmm. And I'd like to rewind and ask you, why did you actually want to become the SU president? Oh, um, I changed my mind a lot of times this okay. time last year. So... So back in school and first year colleges said I was in an elected role on a national level and it was a lot of fun. 
but then I stepped back and I worked as a trainer so I volunteered on a European level but I, I actually worked as a trainer of class reps mm. um, under this national program so I did trainings in campuses around the country and I became very used to being you know in a room full with like 30 to 50 people just delivering a session having a conversation it was really really nice and I wasn't the elected face I wasn't on the poster I just did a bit of work and I found it really really like mm. nice I loved my job um and then yeah the elections were, were coming around it was fourth year college I had been a class rep once but I never really got involved in this students union I had friends of mine who were very active in DCU students union and in Trinity so I kind of went to like all the other protests um and didn't really engage here but yeah it was just an opportunity it was final year and from studying law with social justice trying to understand policy and try and see how to make things work Mm. I just thought that I would have a different perspective and from my experience as a trainer you know I had an idea of how to kind of empower people create groups that could go off and create change and I just decided ultimately you know what I want to give this a try because I also I was on Erasmus for a semester in third year and I was quite confident that after final year I'd be ready to go off abroad and, you know, never look back and all of this. <laughs> so I I think what made me hesitate was that do I is this the time for me to like leave Ireland and try the next big thing? Or is this the moment to stay and really try and make a change and go off after that? That was the big question for me. And ultimately, I decided to put my name in the hat, do the race. I actually loved the election. It was a lot of fun. And then, you know, the crazy thing happened after 13 hours of counting. I won by a really small margin. So, uh, so I decided to stay. So, so yeah, uh, I think, I think I always believed once I put my name in the race that I had a good chance of winning, but you never know. I, I think all of us thought we had a good chance of winning because of course you wouldn't run if you didn't think that, um, but I tried to really enjoy the experience. And because I was in final year, a lot of my friends didn't have a lot of time to campaign. When we did come together and do a, whatever a run of leafleting or whatever, or the poster run for the election, it was just such a nice activity for me and my final year friends. And even though they had limited time, I knew that like their hearts were behind me because they knew me very well also. So it was just a lovely, lovely experience with a group of my friends. Um, and it was and it was lovely to win as well. Um, and some of my friends were running for election in other campuses, and they were also successful. So, yeah, I decided to yeah take the plunge, and I'm glad I did. No, it's amazing. And you've been doing this for what just over nine months now. Yeah. And what have you? Let's just say, if you could go back and just tell yourself, like how how would I phrase this? Like, what would you like to know before you started, basically? Um, I think. Hmm. I think I would say oh actually I was just just after my exams so so just before I started the job here I I was in this kind of not the most comfortable housing situation so I would say get out of that situation and and for anyone interested in in working in the students union it's it is a lot of pressure look there, there's peaks and troughs right so there's very very busy times and there's quieter times but when it gets busy, when it gets intense, there's there can be a lot of pressure put on your shoulders, either by students or by external groups or by yourself. I think I create a lot of pressure for myself in this job. I want to do it to the best of my ability. Yeah, of course. But, you know, I, yeah, I push myself a lot, maybe, maybe too much at times. So you need somewhere to go and sleep or cook a meal 
take a shower and just not be disturbed I know I need that I I love being with people but I love being by myself and for about six months in this job I was you know living in a very tight space with a lot of people and that had a very negative impact on my mental health so by October time I had like I had a really bad burnout in work and I think it was more connected to that housing situation that I, I just wasn't resting properly so make sure anything that is within your control so things like sleeping things like eating and things like exercise as far as you can keep them in your routine and if all else fails at least have somewhere that you can close the door put your head on a pillow and just relax if that's what you need now different people might have different ways of relaxing and letting off steam uh but have a a a checked you know and tested mechanism of relaxing because like I can even feel myself after the protest today I'm I'm super tense I can feel my my shoulders like I need to go for a swim I need to lie down and meditate or I need to like write something down in a journal like I need to let some of the emotion out because otherwise I'll keep drinking Red Bulls and tensing my muscles and running around and shouting at people and and I won't really get the job done at least not as well as I would like to so rest is key hmm and what is your actual role as a president? Like, what are your tasks that you have to just take care of? What do you actually have to do? Yeah, so in the Students' Union, we have the Constitution that kind of lays out the roles. Mm-hmm. And then all of us would have... And then there's mandates that are passed by students on their union council. And then we all run on manifestos. So for me, like, part of the constitutional role of the mandates is the committees that we sit on in the university. So the university... Apologies. Um, they have to have student representation on some of their boards and committees. So mm. I'm represented on a couple of those um, in relation to some of university finances, some of like the residences review group and just a variety of, of, of student kind of activity uh, committees. And then we also run, you know, in-house campaigns, so anything around housing, anything around student welfare. Um, I predominantly ran on supporting you know, our direct provision kind of international students. I ran on housing. I ran on what I called bread and butter. So trying to go back to our activist roots, being true to our students, um, using all of the tools that we have to try and achieve positive change and push for better support services. So, and then the mandates get quite detailed and, you know, have specific targets and goals around fighting for a publicly funded education. Um, There's stuff about Israel and Palestine in there. Um, there's stuff about gender neutral bathrooms there's stuff about like providing pregnancy tests in the office so some of them are kind of easy some of them mandates last three years and some of them need three years to be realized um so you know we turn out at demonstrations in the city center at the moment we're organizing our own demonstrations on campus it's what you make of it a lot of the time um but you're guided by the constitution and by mandates definitely so that's the stuff you have to do the committee meetings particular campaigns and particular actions but apart from that, it's kind of up to me. And then I do receive a lot of emails from students. So, you know, I try to take that very seriously. So if students have complaints or ideas or challenges, um, I either signpost them to another officer or I meet with them and, you know, we try to help them. So we're this kind of frontline po- point of contact, but we're also a lobbying organization. So every day is a little different. Um, but yeah. And you did mention that every day is a little bit different, but what does a typical day look like for you or a typical week even? Okay, typical week would be, I try to come in before nine if I can. So let's say on a Monday, I come in around nine o'clock and 
I'll make myself a quick breakfast. I'll go get a coffee in the shop and say hello to our shop staff because we own the three union shops around the country. Mm. So I'll be here, let's say, 9.20 with my porridge or my sandwich or my coffee. I start flicking through my emails and I'll probably have a, a meeting or two, let's say 10 to half 11 and then 2 to 3, I might have a meeting. Um, and then I'll either keep answering emails or I'll put in preparation for some campaign or event that's happening during the week and then also on a monday night we typically have either union council or an executive meeting so in the evening between six and eight we're at one or the other and then i'll go for a pint in the clubhouse on a monday night normally so then back in on tuesday yeah it's usually like morning breakfast emails meeting 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 uh demonstration <laughs> and then if there's an event in the evening i stay for the event mm. if not i go home and you obviously love your job but is there any like things that stand out like what is your favorite part about what you do my favorite part it's really nice when students or actually students parents or like members of the community Hmm. um reach out to us and kind of say they're happy with something we did or they think a decision we took or something we staged was a good idea um it's really nice when people like acknowledge work that we do and acknowledge that some of the things we do are very difficult but we're trying our best and positive feedback like that is really really good to hear Mm. um and i do mean that i suppose specifically to the actions we've taken recently like you'd have members like the local community call me and it's really sweet um it's it's nice to know that we're like us as the sabbatical officers we see a lot of the issues firsthand as i was saying earlier like we see the students affected by some of these issues firsthand but I'm quite aware, again, it's a, it's a small cohort that just kind of come to see us. And you'd worry sometimes, look, we're a campus of 30,000 students, we're a whole community in Dublin. Like, do people really care? Like, should I really be doing this or should I be doing something else for the wider student body? And, you know, that's a decision you got to take. Are we going to do big events for big groups of students? Or are we going to do demonstrations for smaller numbers? You know, or whatever. You kind of have to make that call. Where are you going to put your focus? What's going to be your priority? You can't prioritize everything. There's like 60 mandates or whatever. So when you make a decision to help a particular group or to champion a particular cause, you kind of have to follow your gut and you go with it. So then to hear that people agree with the choice you made and the priority that you took, it's kind of, it's rewarding to know, okay, I made the right choice or we as a team made the right choice to do that event or to champion that cause or to put that thing on the agenda of that meeting and got her over the line. Um, so that's really nice when you realise that you're not the only one that cares, that other people also care and are happy for you to be doing this work, mm. that you're doing the right thing at the right time. Because sometimes we get it wrong, you know? So, um, And that's a learning curve as well, but it's just when we get it right, it's really it's really a nice feeling. Mm. And what are so like you obviously face a lot of challenges every single day with like students coming in, complaints perhaps, whatever. Um, what have been the biggest kind of challenges you overcome that you're really, really proud of, you know, as a students' union as a whole? Um I think in terms of challenges, um we're in the middle of something, we're in the middle of challenging authority on the campus and really showing students that we can stand up and we can say we disagree with a decision and then fight for it to be overturned. If we overturn, no, sorry, when we overturn this rent yes, increase, that's the attitude. <laughs> this is going to be monumental. <laughs> this will be a huge thing to do and I'm really excited to do it. 
So it's nice to do the big things, but sometimes, but I suppose because you were saying challenges, um, like even when you identify a process that isn't working or, you know, you sent a student off to get help somewhere and then it turns out they don't get the help that they need it. But even just figuring out, oh, there's a problem there. And if we communicate clearly around it, we can capture exactly what went wrong, fix it. So the next student is not going to have that experience again. Mm. Because we're such a huge campus, there's a lot of things that need that kind of tweaking sometimes. And that student voice really, you know, to come through and to improve a service. But every now and then you find something like that. You chat to the staff member, you chat to the department, you explain what happened, what the what the misinterpretation or miscommunication was, how it affected the student. And then that feedback is used to improve that system or improve that that um, that office, you know. So it can be little things that make access to services easier for students or a complaints procedure being better explained for students or whatever. I don't know if I'm being very vague because I, I don't want to name specific issues. No, of course. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so it can be little things that improve the student experience on campus. Um, or it can be the really big things that we're pushing for at the moment. Mm. And you mentioned priorities earlier on in, in the interview. Like, what are your current priorities? Um, I definitely want to keep talking about the bread and butter. I suppose we, we dropped that term after the election. But, <laughs> um, you know, the key things that are affecting students. So it is the affordability of services. It is access to housing and having a well-resourced, well-funded university with top-class teaching, top-class research, top class mental health services you know a very responsive institution that's actively looking to be better for students um that's difficult you know when the government is providing very little funding um for higher education in ireland compared to other countries so while i'm giving out a lot about the university i do recognize that it's a governmental issue as well um but my my priority is finding ways that UCD, within the financial scope that it has, um, can be made better for students in the meantime of fighting for national funding. Um, so my priority is running the kind of student events and the kind of activities that will draw attention to these issues and just get as many things over the line. Like I'm, you know, we have four le- less than four months left in the role. So at this point in time, I have very clear priorities. Want the rent to be decreased. Want a proper support service for students in the private rental market. Um, and I want to see some sort of commitment to either, you know, increase the funding for the counselling or, you know, move funds from some pl- parts of campus and reinvest them somewhere else. Or at least begin that conversation and put students in the middle of that conversation don't put it in the middle of a bunch of management members who fair are incredibly intelligent people and you know deserve a lot of respect but you need a student to have a meaningful decision making role within that room as well we're not given the respect that we should as representatives and that's just not good enough so if we could you know elevate the status of student representation on campus in some of the decision making bodies That'd be huge if we could stop the trend to increase. Yeah. And try to get more more funding for support services. Mm. And you mentioned early on as well that, you know, UCD is obviously a very big campus. There's over 30,000 students. And having a sense of community is kind of, I think it's a very difficult goal to achieve. What do you think like could be done to um, get a sense of community among students, I guess? Um, I think... I think if students maybe, for some students, um, for whom things like financial distress or whatever mm, is their mm. key thing, because that can have a very negative impact on your mental health, obviously if we could do something to ensure that if everyone is 
somewhat fed on campus and people aren't too worried about their home situation if, if that can be alleviated a bit I think a big number of students would be able to take a d- deep breath and engage a bit more back in societies and all of these things um but then it's probably just also a matter of kind of better communication and there's been a lot of changes to the orientation program in particular for first year students um I know I was just involved in the social lo- social sciences and law departments revamp of their kind of freshers um strategy to integrate all of the first year students in that faculty so I'm sure that's happening in other parts of campus but they've done some fantastic work in making sure that first year students are well connected to supports and to each other and 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 to make it easier to form group of gr- groups of friends for first year so those kind of activities they happen very much at a kind of faculty and staff level but for them to be f- infused with student voice I think if we could really get the first year integration piece right and try and alleviate external pressures and burdens off of students um, we could just give students a bit more free time to get involved in activities in you know volunteering on campus and connect them better if we could give students some more free time that I think that would help and then some societies and some sports clubs are absolutely flying in terms of attracting students from around campus to get involved so just keeping promoting you know promoting that kind of activity supporting our, our societies and clubs um, making sure that you know they have all of the spaces that they need to do their work to do their activities um, and that students are really rewarded from being involved in these activities um, and then as a students union we have you know elected officers in different faculty areas so just you know we provide some training for them and then we have training for our class representatives and we try to encourage engagement of our structures across campus so we can always do a better job at that as well so linking in our class reps with different society reps with you know members of staff and just keeping as many of those communication channels open and then ensuring that you know maybe some students will get involved in the class with the class rep others will get involved with the society others will get involved with sports just trying to find a way that everyone is involved in something Mm. or Mm. you know has the opportunity to find small communities because UCD is huge but it's full of small communities it's full of small groups of friends or bigger groups of friends and that's really nice once you're here once you stick it out (laughs) and it's really tough in first year and you make your friends it it can be an incredibly warm and welcoming place you just have to find those those supports so yeah I think if we keep improving the first year experience uh, and keep pushing society and, and sports life I do think it's possible to, to put people into, into good communities. Mm. And the beauty of having 30,000 students in so many societies that you, could, there's, there's, you can meet friends. Like there's people who are like-minded to you. You just have to go out there and find it. So I think that's really cool. And actually, what advice would you give to an incoming first year? So an incoming first year, like maybe coming, you know, never been to college, obviously before. Um, so yeah, what kind of advice would you give to such a student? Um, I would say, don't be afraid to be a bit silly in the first couple of days <laughs> striking conversation with random strangers can be daunting <laughs> um and we've all done something silly like you know made a friend in the bathroom or <laughs> i made one of my best friends in college i needed to get word for my laptop right so standing around a group of girls in my course didn't know any of their names and i was like 
oh, I have to go to the IT department. Not entirely sure where it is. And one of the girls was like, I'll come with you. And I thought to myself, oh my God, this is going to be the worst thing two people have ever done together. I'm going to hand in my laptop and stare awkwardly at this girl. <laughs> like, what are we going to do? But anyway, so but she went along with me. So I handed in my laptop. The IT man started putting word on it. And we just started chatting. And you know what? Like, we're best friends to this day just mad so invite people to get word on your laptop with you <laughs> and don't be shy go to society events it's gonna be a load of people that don't know anybody and that's okay um ask for a pen from the lad beside you in a lecture even though you have five in your bag um offer to share notes be sound um it's okay to be a little weird in first year just make a few connections um and if it's a bit tough and you know, if it's day three and you still haven't really, you know, made that friend that you're going to have for life or met the love of your life or whatever, like, that's also cool if it takes a couple of weeks. Like, give it a bit of time. This is a nice place to study. You know, this is a nice place to be. There's lovely people in UCD. Reach out to your peer mentor. Reach out to staff members that support people. Uh, and go to events. Get your free toast. Get your free pint. <laughs> like, whatever's going just go and grab one and talk to someone and it'll be okay. Don't overthink it. Don't worry about it. Just keep going. Keep trying. You will find very nice people. Mm. There's lovely people in UCD. So, yeah. For sure. And let's just say you want to implement a change that has never been done before. How difficult is that to do? Like, what barriers you have to overcome to do this? Depends on the nature of the change, I suppose. Um like there are some people in UCD that are very eager to have change and are actually buzzing to hear from students and mm-hmm. like I said for example I worked as an intern um in the College of Social Sciences and Law in their program office one summer mm. um and I loved it like they were so open to all of our ideas and because I had a, a background as a classroom trainer they specifically wanted my support in developing like a better feedback structure for listening to students and mm. responding to student needs um, so that internship was a brilliant opportunity. So, and we implemented like a new structure for staff student forums. Um, and just you know, th- it was just a period of reform for them that we got to be a part of. Um, if you're trying to reduce the campus rent, I'll tell you that's a difficult change to implement. But we're doing our best. <laughs> so and actually, depends, on, on that yeah. on that topic, um, what are some good ways to overcome this? Because uh, just to give some context. UCD decided to increase their student accommodation rent by 12% over the next three years because they decided to build these massive buildings that cost a lot of money. So, yeah. So what what are some good ways to overcome this issue? Can I say, well done on the summary <laughs> of the issue. Woo! <laughs> and, well, we've gone from using every internal channel available to us. So we have, I've presented to management back in October asking them not to do this, not to increase the rent and to implement supports for students that are struggling um and management just went ahead and pursued this this plan so that's crazy yeah so look we we spent a lot of months doing a lot of internal work went to a lot of meetings talked about student issues blah 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 so some people have been really helpful especially on individual cases um but when management take a big decision that just slaps you across the face you pick up the megaphone, you call the media and you rally and you protest and you shout and I'm going to keep embarrassing them in national media until they A, meet with me, B, meet my demands. That's it. That's it. I just, it's just A and B. <laughs> That's all I want. <laughs> I want cheaper rent for the students <laughs> and I want a bit of respect for the students' union because 
again there's a lot of you on campus who do respect us an awful lot but there's some members of top management who are acting as if they didn't respect us at all so you know like imagine you're working with someone for six to eight months and then they just turn and like and they're you know nodding away meeting with you chatting away making the jokes blah 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 you've been to their house for a meeting <laughs> whatever <laughs> <laughs> and then they just turn around and do the one thing you ask them not to do and they never just you know no notice no nothing just literally turns slaps you across the face and you know you you just feel like everything you worked on everything you tried to do being polite be, being cooperative being obliging um none of it mattered you your voice was never on the table um you were always just a token in the room for the crack and why do you think that is why because do people this institution do that? is being run as a business uh by the top management they they control the operation of the university and they are using students as its core fundraiser okay because they don't have enough public funding but they are also you know building an alumni club you know that students have no access to hmm, who paid for that you know and um, they're buying real estate in the most expensive part of the country they're buying houses along Klonski with money you know that could have been spent hiring counsellors like I don't like this narrative that there isn't enough money in UCD to do things so we need to raise more of it but you're right with the whole profit like 100% like it's mm. crazy they're exactly they're pulling money in and like they are spending it they're just not spending it on what students need right now they're spending it in other ways to keep growing the institution i don't know to grow the prospectuses they're pouring concrete left right and center and they're not investing in the core services that we need i wouldn't mind them building more student centers or and and, like i welcome more accommodation my goodness do we need it Mm. but not at the price that it's at we can't afford that so you know talk to us goodness i want to work with the university this like it's a bit of crack to have a protest but honestly lads i would much rather just be in the meeting get the thing done and go out the my intention and i think it's fair to say the team's intention was to be a relatively quiet union get our bits done pass what we need to pass and then hand it over to the next team nobody wants to be speaking so negatively about an institution they care about and we do care about uc we do want students to enjoy their time here and i know that a lot do but others struggle. Others just have no access to come here. And that's not good enough. We can do better. But somebody in a high position of power is deciding not to do better. And I I have no one else to talk to. I've spoken to them all. <laughs> and they're still ignoring me. So, so we're on to the media and on to the protests. And if that's effective, when that's effective, you'll you'll know. You'll know how to do it next time yeah and what i think is absurd about the like accommodation yes it's nice and all that but it's very expensive and they don't even have twin twin bedroom for example like you could literally half the price like that's so simple but like you said it's a profit not a you know not really helping the students which i think is quite absurd so yeah i think that's it's shocking (laughs) it's shocking i normally the people won't see it but i normally have shocking written across my board (laughs) because there was something else that upset me that week but not this week this week it's just I say shocking out in the media. <laughs> I don't mm. write it down. <laughs> and I'm very curious to ask you this question, I'd say a lot along with some other listeners. Um, so each each year students pay a certain levy towards the students' union. And I'm very curious, how do you manage that budget? Like where does the money go? Okay, so the levy 
uh, that students pay in UCD is it, it's like around 300 euro which I think it's so, yeah, around that 250, um, 300 yeah. I'm not really so sure we facilitated the referendum of students about the levy but we don't receive that money that money does not go to the students union we do receive a capitation grant mm-hmm. it's called from the university so ourselves clubs and societies each receive a pot of money and that's the core grant that runs us but then we get sponsorship we get income from our shops and a few other sources so in a way we do get some students money that runs us yes but mm. we don't get the levy that levy is going right. into building okay. the third student center and while i had an opinion about it before i was elected um there was a referendum and students voted it in and we have no control how that money is going to get spent so i don't control the levy um I don't think it's entirely fair to ask all students, you know, regardless of their, you know, income background or whatever, their family income background, to come up with this money every year. But that's the system that's in place. And, you know, students have voted it in. I also don't know how fair it is that students who vote one year can affect students for, you know, 10 or 20 years. But again, that was just a decision that that was made. That said, we do receive a core grant and it goes on paying salaries. So the sabbatical officers are full time and we have nine staff or eight staff and one part-time hmm. um and then we have particular kind of most of the officers have a budget allocated to them the president doesn't but we have a community development budget that i kind of influence a lot on, on how it's spent Um we have money for food after class rep council for training and things like that so it's a variety of stuff but it's it's mostly salaries salary budget and then all of the campaign work events that we run especially the charity events we run because we'd pay to put on an event mm. and then you know if it's ticketed any money raised will go to charity so you know uh, so obviously but someone has to pay the act someone has to whatever pay the you know the crew and all of that so so a lot of events that we put on we we pay for and then we raise money for charity um but that kind of thing yeah mm. and what do you think are the popular misconceptions about the students union you could probably tell me better than <laughs> better than me. Um, first of all, the levy. Yeah, people think that we run the gym and we get the levy. We don't run the gym. That's what I thought initially. No, yeah. yeah, and we and we don't and we don't get the levy money. So no, um, we're <laughs> represented in a lot of committees on campus, but we're not represented on the university management team that make a lot of the financial mm. decisions. So that's a misconception, and I think. I don't know if people really have like a lot of trust for the students union or know exactly what it does. So like if you just see like my face, for example, in the student union shop on the screen, like what would you think of me? All right. I don't know. Blonde, foreign surname. Like, you know, like that's like it's very hard to like build an opinion of a person when you don't see course, so much. Yeah. So I think maybe people do think like it takes some ego to have your face, you know, showing up around campus and to put yourself forward for an election and to call yourself a president um maybe that's a bit of a perception but i think once people get a bit more involved they find out you know the reasons why some of us have gone for these positions what are the things that we most want to achieve and i would hope that when people see that they see that we're not ego driven that we do really care about seeing the changes happen um that we put the work in that we put the hours in a lot more hours than we actually get paid for but that's okay because this is more than a job you know it's a role that we're happy to perform and to fulfill and you know to do for students so i'd like to think people at least hope that we care (laughs) and we do care (laughs) um but i know that we've had a couple of very turbulent years in the union uh two years ago we had an impeachment of a president then you know the successor you know wasn't very popular towards the end of his term and without going into the the details of that um it's been a turbulent time for the union so i've definitely seen this year as an important one to gain back trust of campus to to the union as an institution 
um, and rebuild that relationship and strength. And it would be like a cherry on top to have a win against management. So that's what we're <laughs> pushing for. Mm. And what do you do to manage the whole work-life balance? Like, what do you do to relax? Because just from listening to you, it's a very intense role. Like, you're you're working a lot, which is <laughs> wow. But um, what do you do to relax and just to, you know, cool off a little bit? Um, definitely last semester, I think two or three weekends, I just went abroad. I just, like, packed my bags on a Thursday night and I wasn't back till Monday. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm actually doing that one weekend away this, this term as well, just because you go crazy. Um... I try to see friends not associated to UCD and I ask them not to ask me questions. I joined the windsurfing club. And they're very nice because they bring me along to things but they don't ask me questions about work. It's just fun. Uh, unless I want to tell them about something. Of course. So, so I do a little bit of that sport. Um, like on a daily basis I try to cook and I was very good at going swimming last semester. I'm awful at it now. <laughs> um, so for a real break I have to leave Dublin but um, on a daily basis like on a regular week I do have my weekends pretty much to myself. So yeah, I go see friends. I do really nice cooking. I take time out. But just because we're in the midst of a really busy campaign, mm. I don't really have my weekends to myself, which is okay. But it just means, I don't know if I have very big bags under my eyes or like how crazy I look right now. But internally, I'm like, oh my God, the Red Bull is wearing off. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not in a good state. <laughs> um, so like it has a toll on your health. Like that's, that's the reality. I think we kind of, it's funny how we like fluctuate. We either like all lose weight or all gain weight at different points of the year. <laughs> um, so in terms of like personal health and personal um, self-care, mm. it's tough. But yeah, I leave the country when I have to. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And what advice would you give to an 18-year-old self? Oh, what was I doing at 18? That was five years ago. So that was just before going to college. Um, take a very big, deep breath. <laughs> and trust your gut feeling. Because I think on choosing to get involved in the school students' union, um, when choosing where to go to college and what to study, when choosing to run for this election... I've tried to do things that felt right, like in my tummy and that I've, some of them were scary decisions, like, or going to, on Erasmus, like deciding to move to another country for six months. Like that was a scary decision. Mm. Um, but I did it and I actually ended up really, really enjoying it. So not to be scared to trust your gut feeling. And it's something that in this role is huge because every sabbatical officer comes in and you're probably doing this for the first time. So you don't really know what you're doing. But when you're the president, you might think you don't know what you're doing, but everything you say, like it carries a different kind of weight. Even when you're in the middle of like, even if you just start training, like you're just you just through the door. You've only just won the election. Like, hang on. But already things you say sound different. People look at you a little bit differently. So you don't have a lot of time to consult with people. The circle of people you can really trust with your very deep feelings narrows a little bit you have to put a, a bit of, of a brave face on a lot of the time you know so when you don't have the time to consult every single detail with other people you just have to make a call you just have to say we're spending money on that we're mm. running that event mm. we're starting or we're stopping if media calls i have to give an in well i have to but if i'm giving an interview you know, i'm answering a question i have to know what i want to say and a lot of that comes from for me from my gut feeling so trust your values trust yourself and do what feels right and 
so far I haven't hurt myself <laughs> by by following that rule. Um, so I would tell 18 my year old me to have more confidence in the things she wants to do for herself. Like, don't don't think that what you want to do is stupid or like you know don't put yourself down. Don't treat yourself as a fucking robot. <laughs> Take care of yourself and yeah have a bit more confidence in yourself um yeah 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 mm. and 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 take care of your friends like for me my friends are the most important relationships in in my life i've two particular fellas in the picture on my desk um <laughs> they're like they're like my brothers um and there's another third third fella and the four of us meet up every year on my birthday <laughs> it's the only time that i can get them all together we've been best friends since the school since union so for about six years now and they mean the world to me so you know having their support whether i see them every week or twice a year you know it doesn't matter i know i have their support and they have mine so take good care of those relationships uh lean on them when you have to and yeah be grand Hmm. and i only have a couple more questions because i know you gotta run so a quick little rapid fire questions um what is your definition of chasing passion (sighs) um doing what feels right and doing it as well as you can uh and if you're limited because you're fucking tired or you know something fell through that's okay do the best you can with the cards you've been given and as long as you do that you won't have regrets Hmm. and if you could place anything on a billboard so let's say people walking along the street they look up at the sky and they see this big massive billboard the whole world can see it what message would you put up there UCD rents are too damn high. <laughs> Tear them down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, I think it's an excellent opportunity to finish up the podcast. And um, before we do, is there anything out there they'd like to mention, say, anything at all? Uh, just say thank you. Tom. I really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. And uh, actually, next Monday, the 24th of February, for, oh, no, sorry, not next, not next Monday. Oh, is next Monday? Yes, the 24th of February is when nominations open for UCD SU executive elections. So if anyone listening is a current student in UCD and is considering running for election for a part-time or a full-time role, please get in touch. We have information evenings scheduled for the 24th, but you can collect signatures and get all the information um, you know, f- until until they until they close again. So please, please, if you want to run for a position, do it. Do it, do it. <laughs> Ask us questions. So for those listening, it's actually today. So do it right oh, now. <laughs> yeah, it's today. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, Joanna, look, it was a pleasure talking to you. I really enjoyed the conversation. And yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Awesome, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. And I really hope you enjoyed it. You can find all the show notes on the website chasingpassion.ie. That is chasingpassion.ie. If you're looking to support the podcast in any way, I would really appreciate if you could leave a short review on Apple Podcast, and this would literally take about 60 seconds and it will help the podcast grow in so many ways. You can find the link to Apple Podcast in the episode description or just simply search Chasing Passion on Apple Podcast and it should pop right up. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. It means the world to me. I really appreciate it. And yeah, just thank you so much and have a great day.